Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Divine. My name is Tom. I'm a graphic designer. Uh, joined today with a guest, George. Yes. Hi, George. Hi, Tom. Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining us today. And we also have on the line from Northern Thailand, Nick. G'day, guys. How are we doing? Um, Nick, I run a digital agency out of Melbourne, although actually I am in Thailand at the moment. Uh, so if you do hear some roosters or motorbikes, please excuse that. <laughs> <laughs> um, before we jump into talking about our, our week, so I'll just give George a proper introduction. So George is a graphic designer and general problem solver. Uh, at Pie Creative, which is a branding agency located in South yeah, Melbourne. Yeah, so we work out of the South Melbourne Commons, so oh, yeah, cool. a bit of cross, cross-pollination of the Commons yeah. happening right now. <laughs> the cult gets stronger. It does. <laughs> um, enough, George, oh, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, George also takes on projects outside of work, so yeah. he's um, no stranger to doing projects yeah, outside of an agency as well. Yep. Yeah, because I was just going to say, it's funny... Um, that you work for a company called Pi, and I'm actually in a town called Pi right now. So. Oh, really? <laughs> Inception. <laughs> what are the chances of that? Yeah. <laughs> um, and how's your week been, George? What have you been up to? It's been pretty good. I mean, we are on Monday at the moment, so... <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, the past week's been great. I've had some really exciting personal projects going on outside the agency. I'm cool. developing a website for the dance community here in Melbourne. They, It's a... A website called Dance Is, and we're going to have like a bit of a directory of uh, contemporary dance events in Melbourne. So Amazing. that's kind of a bit of a, a you know low paid but passion project of mine at the moment. Okay. Um, and then in agency kind of world, just been doing a lot of kind of our bread and butter stuff. So a bit of packaging design for some of our big clients. So bit of food packaging, bit of yeah. toilet paper packaging, you know, all right, all that kind of stuff. And also we're um, developing our own kind of product at the moment from our agency so we're going to launch nice you know our own product we don't really know what it is yet so it's definitely early days in that so sky's the limit at the moment which is uh, exciting but also kind of like daunting at the same time yeah yeah so it's been a good week awesome bit of a mix yeah for sure yeah how about you what have you been up to the last week has been uh i've been working on a pretty big um rollout of a mm. of a brand um so yeah in the design world it's been working on vehicle wraps mm. um for a whole fleet of vehicles <laughs> there's so much to consider um for sure like far out every every vehicle kind of has its own constraints um but that's that's been fun you know interesting to learn about that process um and outside of work, just like there's been a lot happening with music um mm. got a big gig coming up on Friday. So we've just been rehearsing every couple of days for that. Awesome. Where's your gig at? It's at the Gasso. Oh, um, the Gasso. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, I can't really plug it now because this episode will be... Yeah, it'll be too late. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, that's... So oh, we love the Gasso. We do love the Gasso. Here, here in Collingwood. Here in Hollywood. <laughs> How's your week been, Nick? Oh, uh, yeah, pretty good, actually. Pretty busy. It's funny, actually, um, being over here and... and uh, Actually, my productivity has been just like skyrocketing. I guess I've got no other um, responsibilities or, or anything like that that I have to do. So really, I just have to eat, sleep and, and work. So that's been really good. Um, but mm-hmm. one of the big things that's happened or it's actually happened uh, yesterday was kicking off the dev side of this really big project that we're doing, which is really exciting. Um, so it's sort of like a bit of a rebrand and then a rebuild and then introducing some um, 
new uh, online sort of classes um, that they normally run in person. So that's been really, really fun. So that should we should see some really, really good results from that. So um, it's just been a, a good project all around and the client's just a legend. Um, so yeah, we've just been enjoying it. So that's been really fun. Um, and apart from that, just uh, yeah, keeping everything ticking. Um, and yeah, looking into um, going into sort of a bit of a retainer model with a few clients as well. So that's been an interesting journey. So we're sort of um, halfway through that. So yeah. Yeah, cool. Just getting getting clear on what's included in that retainer. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, cool. It can get out of hand, can't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see. It's the first time we've ever done it. So um, we're not really sure what to expect. So yeah, we'll see what happens, I guess. Mm, good luck. Mm, thanks. Um, so today we're talking about working in-house, um, but also just hearing George's perspective on, on the design world. Um, mm. And I think it would be interesting to hear about what um, you look for on an agency side in a, in mm, a new um, for sure. designer. So maybe we can start there. Like what are some of the things yeah. you I look mean, for in a... I'm in my, um, I guess, fourth year of full-time agency work. Yeah. I've worked at a number of, eight, well, three agencies in Melbourne. Yeah, cool. And, um, yeah, my experience across all of them has been really great. And I guess in my first job, it was a real shock. And I think that it's really helpful to hear sort of people probably at about my level of experience talk about like what it's like to start out in agency because you know I'm not far enough away from that experience to be like you know old and dusty advising the young ones you know but um also yeah like have done it done it enough now to know kind of what is a valuable thing to kind of expect yeah cool and I think that um Probably the biggest thing, which is always fun to discuss with other designers, is the idea of, like, sharing your work and sharing your ideas. And I yeah, think right. at uni that's the, the number one thing that they don't encourage enough, in my, in my experience, and yeah. from talking to other people as well. It's like it's all very, like, you know, you keep it behind your MacBook and you kind of don't show anyone and maybe show the teacher at the end and there's, like, not enough discussion about, like, you know, what, I, what ideas are working and, like, you yeah. know, that kind of stuff. So. I reckon for for anyone like looking at you know maybe maybe getting their first job in an agency that would be some a big one to expect is like you know just be really confident about putting your ideas up on the wall you know and yeah. talking about it because like it's okay to have shit ideas we for all sure. do <laughs> well most of the first ones are right for sure yeah. um, but that's a that's a great insight I think it's um my experience at design school was a bit like that it was yeah. I was really, like, um, reluctant to share work. Mm-hmm. Um, and part of that, I think, is, like, being able to, like, emotionally detach from the work after it's been completed. Yeah, so, like, yeah. being emotional in the process of creating it. And yep. But as soon as it's done, it's like, let's yep. just critique it. Yep. And yeah. And I'm not yeah. going to, like, Don't let it sort it of identify to you too hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's really interesting, that um, emotional connection that you have with your work, because I truly think, like, every project that's what gives it that magic is that emotional energy that the designer puts into Mm. it. And, like, if you are able to, like, completely emotionally detach from your work and just think about it like, you know, just another way to get paid or something like that, um, it will lose that, like, spark. So it's, like, so important to have that emotional side. But then, of course, you're putting yourself on the line when when you share those ideas to be kind of, like, not really hurt but, like, challenged, you know? yeah. 
and and that is a real learning experience and some people really struggle with it but yeah like I can get used to it like just talk about your ideas and also be prepared for them for yeah your first idea not to be the most brilliant thing because it never is there's always yeah totally. there's always more to be discovered and yeah just like go for it yeah that's awesome and did you feel like that was um missing a little bit in the culture at university like mm, yeah there was some there were some lecturers that really pushed it and they were generally the ones that worked in the industry so you know, people that run their own studios, they kind of knew the process and would, like, sit us all down and kind of make us work together, make us critique each other's work. But then some of the, like, more academic side of things, you know, um, they do kind of... They don't really push you to do that. Like, you might have to do a presentation, you know, every once in a while, but a lot of people just skip out on that class, you know, because it's, like, that's too intimidating. But it's, like, I reckon if you are at uni and you see that there's a presentation opportunity absolutely like embrace that as like a huge part of of learning and like push yourself to do it because it's probably the, one of the most valuable things that you'll get out of uni mm. like your work I mean I look back at some of my uni work and I'm like yeah <laughs> that's okay but like some of those some of those skills where I had to you know push myself to present and things like that when I did do it I reckon that was probably one of the biggest payoffs yeah. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think think that's part of, I guess, just generally, you know, pushing yourself outside of that comfort zone and, you know, Mm. instead of shirking away from something like presentations or discussing your ideas when it makes you feel uncomfortable, you know, you're going to have to do that a lot. So at uni, at least, there's a a no-risk environment in a way to do that because as soon as you get into industry, you're going to have to be doing it a lot. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is is almost worth thinking about it like that. Like, it is a bit of a no-risk area, like... It's yeah. kind of like maybe people have a bit of a like high school hangover in like, you know, they get intimidated by their peers or for they're sure, worried sure. about what other people think. But realistically, you know, who cares? Like everyone's there to learn. Yep. Yep. It's great. Yeah, that's awesome. And to be honest, I kind of wish I had that mindset when yeah. I was at design school. Because, um, yeah, at that, I think I was 18 at the time. Mm. And I was just like so scared of sharing my work. Um, but really, that's where the all the learnings happens. Totally. Because, um, yeah, imagine, like, sharing your work in week one of a course, getting all this sick feedback, mm. and then sharing it again week two and week three and week four, or just sharing it week ten. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. well, we can't really mm-hmm. do much here. And, and it just sounds crazy now, doesn't it, for that, that idea? But then, yeah, when, when you're going through that in uni, it's just it's not that easy, is it? No, and I guess the other thing that would happen in sharing it really late is this commitment bias. You know, it's like you've you've committed so much to this concept, then yeah, yeah. then presenting it and it gets torn down. It's like, how dare you mm. speak about my baby like that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been incubating this for ten weeks. For sure, and I think I've heard I've heard of that happening a lot more in potentially other creative industries like architecture where they do they put all their energy into one final presentation and then it gets cut down like all the time yeah. whereas like graphic design like go for it it's like fast moving like take it take it as an opportunity to share your work early and one of the one of the courses that I took I went to Monash Uni in Melbourne it was it was good it was a while ago now but cool. um yeah it was a good course and the my favourite class was illustration because the model of that class was one brief every week and you came in the next week and you put it up on the wall and it's like, you know, it's just a picture but, you know, you had to kind of like everyone would stand around and go, yeah, that one's good, why? And then we kind of discuss it. Uh-huh. Anyway. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, that's cool. 
Is there an equivalent for you, Nick, with like sharing code? Like mm. in the beginning, being like a bit self-conscious about, you know. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. I guess I mean it's different for me. I never went to uni, um, but in, even in terms of just when you're writing code and needing to, um, yeah, I guess if you know you have a senior developer there who's going to look over it and review it at some point, and you know it becomes oh shit, is this actually good code? Like it works, but like are they going to look at that and kind of like vomit? And the chances are like they probably will, but you know they're <laughs> expecting that, and you know you don't have the experience, and so that's fine, and and whatever, and even to the point where. You know, I'll be. I remember when I was writing code at the start, and then a year later, I'd go and look at it and be like, "Oh, what idiot wrote this? It looks disgusting." I'm like, "Oh shit, actually, no, that was me. I wrote that a year ago." <laughs> you know, but, that's, yeah. but that's just the natural process of getting better. And, and you know, I, and, and I tell people this story, and I usually say, you know, but if you don't do that, and if you don't have that feeling of a year later looking back and thinking, "Wow, this could be so much better," I feel like you haven't been growing in that year. So that, that's like a natural progression, right? Shit, I feel like yeah. that totally. Happen. Yeah, I think so. the the cringe is like a symbol of success. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. If you feel in the cringe, Agreed. It, yeah. it means that that growth has taken place. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And I think yeah, the interesting thing about programming as well probably is that there's so many different ways to approach a problem and solve a problem in in the correct quote unquote way or in, in an appropriate way. That the good thing about I guess letting other people see your code or, or senior devs reviewing it or whatever it might be is that. Maybe it's not just that you've written bad code, but it's just a different way of approaching a problem, a different way of thinking it, and there might be a different solution to it, which might be equally valid, but it's still good to sort of have those different mm. um, ways of solving or different tools in your arsenal to then use them in different ways in the future. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, so that's a great one, sharing your work yeah. nice and early. Yeah, and, mm. and your processes. Like, I love that Yeah. That idea about shit sharing um you know your early codes and, and not being afraid of that because in in agency you will have the hovering creative director <laughs> yeah, yeah. happen to oh you, yeah it's where, a thing <laughs> yeah it is totally a thing and you know i've i'm pretty lucky now that i don't really have that because i'm in a fairly small team and we kind of sit side by side so he's probably looking at my screen but just kind of out of the corner of his eye but you know you do get self-conscious about just how you approach software and things like that mm-hmm. and it's mm-hmm. just like who cares there's a million ways of of doing each individual thing and and you just find what works for you and and yeah. continue to develop it for sure and just on using the software i love that because in seeing another designer work like mm. even just sitting next to a mate it's like hold on hold on stop what was that yeah. what was that shortcut what, what were those cheeky four keys you just pressed then <laughs> yeah and and so within that it's kind of nice to to see how other people work as well which requires them making themselves vulnerable as yeah. also with their Absolutely. process but but i've noticed that when i'm working as well like a friend will be like oh what's that shortcut like that that's going to change the game for me yeah you'll save like an hour of like time a week on a particular process I think that's a fun thing about um, the people that come up through the ranks. Like, I mean, I am only four years in, but my boss will watch me work and go, wait a minute, what's that? And it's like, oh, this got built into Illustrator like five years ago. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So, but, you know, there's always little nuggets of people who are joining in later kind of do it their way. And it's like, oh, that's actually so much better than the the old way that I do it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think that's a a cool little insight there as well is that just because they're senior to you or or whatever it doesn't necessarily mean that they know all the right ways or using everything correctly or doing things the right way all the time and it's great to have an environment like that where they feel comfortable to learn and are happy to learn from younger people as well that's really that's really helpful yeah because i wonder whether the phenomenon would go the other way as well you know it's like having been in the industry for so long it's like being nervous to ask for help or like to 
yeah, yeah, sure. to add to then make oneself vulnerable all over again. Yeah, um, yep, that's a good point. But yeah, so asking for feedback nice and early, that's a clear one. What are mm. some other things, George? That what would I tell someone? I mean, like for uni kids, it's it's kind of easy because you're it's on it's all on a platter. So I would say get into typography. I know that you'd oh be yeah, otherwise <laughs> plus plus one million. <laughs> get into type while you can, while you've got access to these super nerds that will yeah. be teaching it. Like I reckon, I didn't take full advantage of it because I was a bit like, oh, you know, it's very oh, you te- went to, to it's Monash, very technical. Right? Yeah, was that? Did you have um Dan Miller? Yeah, I did. Oh. Yeah. He's great. He is. Yeah. <laughs> I was lucky. Sorry, to work, Dan, but you are him. a super nerd. <laughs> <laughs> but but his eye for things like printing out a, a specimen of like a, a typeface I was working on, and I, I like I was just looking at him like, yeah, looks cool. Mm. And then he just marked up every single letter so and like insane. so many notes. It's just like the coolest thing. It is so cool. Yeah. And I feel like I made him have like multiple heart attacks with some of my hand on type <laughs> at the time. But yeah. I mean, you know, put put your ideas in front of people like that and, you know, just like try to stay focused in those classes because some of those insights are just so important and and that as a skill in graphic design is never gonna go anywhere and it's so important, I think. Yeah, me type. too. And the other one, which is probably Something that people shy away from is the theory, art history side of Mm. of university. And it's like kind of, at the time I felt like, oh, they're just making us do this because it is a university thing and like you have to do theory, you have to write essays. But I think if I was employing someone and they could have a perspective on, you know, something that they'd seen while they were travelling, like something historical or understand even with typography, like the origins of certain typefaces, you know, totally. what does it mean to have a decrofont or whatever. Yeah, I think yeah. And if the you context can kind of, of how all these totally. pieces sort of fit together, yeah. Yeah, and like, you know, talking about graphic design during, you know, the Second World War and propaganda and all that stuff, that is like the absolute pinnacle of graphic design that's the best stuff you can see <laughs> for sure and and with that it's like understanding where something is situated in history mm. it's like this is the context within which this was created and the context within which it started to gain prominence like yep. let's just say a particular typeface and then it's like without necessarily knowing we are referencing that point in time mm-hmm. often mm-hmm. or like there might have been a resurgence of it 50 years later and was really popular then and then it's referencing that point in time yeah and you've got to understand Um, when you're using things like that it's not even if you're not sort of referencing it yourself it's the wider community who are triggering these thoughts and ideas and memories of when those typeface for instance was being used and so it's a to know and understand that um is an important thing when you're sort of trying to create these or you know use certain things totally because it already has an association exactly with a whole, whole bunch of stuff yeah It's just like trying to connect the dots in a way. Um, So for someone at university, you'd say get into type or like pay attention to it. Yeah. For someone that's not in university, are there any things that along the way are like there's a Bible of sorts or like Mm -hmm. a documentary you watched or is there anything that... Well, I think, you know, self-teaching software is the best way to learn software. So on that kind of, if that's something that intimidates you, don't be afraid of YouTube for that. Yeah. Um, and I think that for me, non-university people are just as valuable because everybody's life experience and work experience has value in design and in problem solving. So for sure. 
like some of the most important skills I've ever learnt and same with my creative director, Steve, his experience working in retail, like selling things to people. And I think like just going through that experience and like not being afraid to own whatever your past is or if you've done a lot of travel, I think like, you know, being able to talk about, you know, different cultures and design in those places is like a huge insight that most university students wouldn't have had the opportunity to have. So all that's super valuable as well. So for non-uni people, I reckon like embrace your past and also keep in mind that in agency, I think personality is everything. Like you can teach skills to an extent in, in work, in the workplace and you learn on the job faster than you will in uni. Like it's just a fact. Like I think I learned like more in the first three months of full-time work than I did in like three years of uni. (laughs) Just being thrown in the deep end like that and being like, oh, okay, this is how a real brief works and this is like how you solve a design problem and a communication problem. So I would say like your work ethic and your personality like paired with your life experience is probably all you really need. I think as far as like resources to look to, I don't know, I guess – just reading design blogs or like you know you know even just having a look on creative review in places like that seeing what articles are being written you know there's some great websites like fontsinuse.com i love oh, that yeah. website yeah. it's like you know just have a look at if you want to get clued up on type like you know find some type nerds on youtube or you know just message tom and ask oh we can have some... a good old chat <laughs> 10 hours minimum um, have you have you seen the font review journal no. Oh, my. Oh, my God. You're, now you're giving me the tips. It's beautiful. <laughs> it's just like this woman will dedicate, like, a thesis yeah. to a typeface, you know, like, and, and show all all of these different examples of it in use. So, like, a pursuit, for example, mm. just breaking down and it's like, just look at that. Look at that G. Yep. Look at the top story on that G. Isn't that beautiful? <laughs> it's like, Yes. Yes, it is. And it, tot- it do- does depend on what kind of job you want to do. Like, some, I do a lot of type crimes in my day-to-day, I must say. Like, you know, working on consumer brands, like some really big, you know, big clients and they, at the end of the day, care about really good communication of their product and, like, a really cool idea that people are going to buy into. So, you know, there is, there's totally value in having all that his- that learn. Oh that knowledge on type and the knowledge on art history and all that, 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 that's really important. But also just, like, be mindful that in the real world it moves so quickly that, you know, you just have to kind of, like, design, you know, just, like, mm. get it out there and, like, talk about it, like, share the idea, think strategically and then, um, you know, then you can craft it later. You know, yeah. I, I work in a very ideas-first kind of job yeah. where it's like, what's the idea? get in front of the client, get buy-in, and then craft later, which is kind of like not always the ideal way to work and is why I sometimes do my own projects outside of work because that's a real opportunity where I can go, you know, do it properly and and select the right typefaces and that kind of stuff. So, But there is something to be said for like um, not getting too high fidelity too quickly. Totally. Because if it's like... If all this effort's put into like beautiful craftspersonship, um, <laughs> and then it comes to presenting to a client, and it, it's like that week ten example we drew about yeah. university before, it's like, oh, I'm not. Re- this doesn't really feel like it resonates with our audience. Yeah, and then it's like, oh, totally. But, 
but I spent 10 weeks on this, you know. Yeah, I've spent your whole budget. (laughs) (laughs) And and the parallel there is presenting to clients at the the appropriate time um, before, like, the concept's fully fleshed out. It's like, here's here's what this direction can look like. Are we in or are we out? Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Agree with all of that. Cool. Um, And you said earlier, like at the start of our chat that like when you entered into the agency like you were pretty overwhelmed like knocked mm. knocked over by for sure how much you had to i guess learn what were, what were some of the things like there's this this distance between university and studio mm. work that's being described here what mm. are what are some of those things that you noticed when you started yeah i think um probably time like learning how to just start now whereas at uni it's like or even maybe when you do your own projects it's like easy to just like go oh I'll do that later or I'll I'll think about this while I'm driving home from uni and then I'll think about it while I'm like getting ready to go out <laughs> and then I'll think about it you know while I'm, but, and then I'll start tomorrow yeah whereas like at work or at in the agency you have to just get cracking like let's get the sketchbook out let's or start browsing Pinterest or whatever you have to do to like get the ideas flowing and start building mood boards like straight away I reckon that was a kind of a weird shock like you think once you start working you're like oh of course this is how it is you have to do work when you're at work yeah (laughs) but like I reckon when I started I I took my work from agency home because that was what I was used to doing at yeah, uni. Right. Like I'd take my I'd work at work a little bit and then I'd take it home because I just wanted that was how I would work and it'd sit in my laptop in my bed and do work for my agency. And then eventually obviously that's an unsustainable lifestyle. Totally. So yeah. I totally pulled back from that and got used to, you know, working with my team and I think that's the other big one is teamwork and and like leaning on your colleagues and your for, like, help and also supporting them in their ideas because it's not always going to be your idea. It's unlikely to be your idea that gets picked as a junior. Yeah, so, cool. yeah, getting used to working with other people, I reckon, is a big one. It's kind of, like, linked with the sharing ideas thing. But when you've got two people working for one project, you really do have to sort of share the ideas and make sure that what comes out is actually the best thing for the client. And I think that that's sort of something that's quite unfamiliar for university students. Mm. Like it's all about it's all about you at uni, which is really great. <laughs> you're you know? often you're oftentimes the client. You are the client writing the brief, the t- or the teacher's the client, and and like you, so you don't really care because you know. <laughs> but like when there's a real job and you know a real audience in the real world, then you know you have to just kind of drop your own personal views sometimes or your own personal opinions and just work for what the best thing is for the job and sometimes it's not going to be your idea. Yeah, for sure. What, what I um, love hearing about all those sort of um, those ideas is that they're not technically related and so it's like these things that are not related to the actual skills that you're learning on a day-to-day um, at uni. It's mm. actually like all the communication or the extra personal yep. skills or time management or project management and all those other pieces that fit together that actually, you know, is what happens at a full-time job which mm-hmm. is what I guess uni is maybe quote-unquote typically unprepared people for is, you know, actual industry work. And so I think, yeah, like you were saying before, you know, when you're at uni and there's these opportunities to do presentations or have those chats with other people or whatever it is, all those sort of outside quote-unquote um, 
pieces is definitely things that you should try and um, you know latch onto as much as possible and get familiar with as much as possible because that's you know those are those skills that you know you don't have to learn I guess at uni mm-hmm. necessarily. Totally, it's not part of your like key criteria. I think that if I was hiring a junior designer, I would go for somebody that shows less work and talks more about their ideas or about you know their life and about what they're interested in and shows enthusiasm for design or energy, you know, all those things rather than being like, oh, this is a beautiful piece of work I did at uni, mm. you know, like show less work and really think about what you're going to show and why you did it and like, you know, almost convince the person that's interviewing you of the idea rather than being like, do you like this? Yeah. 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 And, and that's and a totally the same, like from a development perspective as well, like hiring a dev, I'd much prefer somebody who is less quote unquote technically abled and just more passionate and more about learning things and more about just being interested in the industry and has great mm-hmm. communication and understands the, the whole sort of context of working in an agency and all that kind of stuff as opposed to somebody that's just really good at writing code. You know, there's so much more to it than just that. Mm. Yeah, well, you have to get along at the end of the day. Yeah. It's like even if you're an awesome designer, like if we don't get along, then it's, it's going to yeah. be hard to sustain the relationship. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, I think um, from what... You've been saying, George, like that that was quite surprising for me when I did a stint at an agency was just how quickly things can get done. Yeah. Like if it's like, all right, we just need to come up with an ID for this um for this business today. It's like what? <laughs> In one day? <laughs> yeah. Like not not super high fidelity, but like we need to have this direction done today. Nine yeah. to five within these hours it's gonna happen. And yeah. it's like when the, when the constraints are there and it has to happen, it just happens. Yeah, and I love that. I think it really sort of focuses you on only the important parts and you don't sort of end off on these trails of, oh, like this might work or it could be cool and I could spend ages on it and blah, 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 but it might not be that good. And you learn to sort of prioritise, okay, what are the you know what are the pieces that we 100% need and let's just develop them quickly and let's go. And it's really sort of, you know, your time management really comes into, into play there as well. For sure. And I think that's where credit's probably due for um, Shillington who are, like, creating an education model where it's based on recreating the agency environment. So apparently they have, like, timers in the class and it's like you have to pump out concepts really quickly. Um, Sounds very good. (laughs) (laughs) Quite stressful, though. I think I I was on edge probably for my first three months of agency work, like, (laughs) constantly on edge, like, sitting up straight, like, hand on the mouse, like, keyboard, shortcut, hand (laughs) position, like, go, George, come on, you can do it, like, something. (laughs) When did it start to kind of chill out? I reckon after about three months, which sounds like ages, but it absolutely flies. And I think it's just because you're in a heightened learning state. You're just, like... For sure. ...absorbing everything... Um, that everyone's doing and there's all these like unfamiliar roles around you like whether there's developers in the agency you're working in or depending I guess on what kind of design you are like learning all the different people in the space and like what they do and then and also like learning how to work in inside of a hierarchy if there is one in the in the agency with like creative directors and then you know other designers in in the workplace I think that kind of is all learning as well. And then, yeah, just like having an account manager hanging over your shoulder. <laughs> yeah, that's really interesting. It's sort of like, you know, your work's not in isolation anymore like it is in uni where you sort of just like complete it, submit it, and it gets marked. Like it's it's then touched by so many other people in this organisation and used, and so they've all got to sort of work with it and understand it. And, and yeah, it's just not in isolation anymore, and so there's lots of other things to think about. Mm. Mm. And what, what do we think about marks, like their importance? 
Um, I mean, I was clearing out my filing cabinet the other day and found my uni, like, you know, grade markup or whatever, like, all the, where it has all your grades and, like, your grade point average and stuff in it. And it kind of came in a folder that said, like, you know, you can show this to employers. And I was like, I've never shown this to anyone. (laughs) It's literally been in this folder for, like, you know, ages. Like, I don't think that it matters. I think... I think it's important to make a relationship with your teacher, whether that's a lecturer or, like, someone in your personal, you know, if you're not at uni, like, if there's someone that's mentoring you, like, and you want to show them that your work and, like, get their opinion, that's kind of like getting grades, I guess, in yeah. the outside of uni world. Um, I think it's important to build a relationship and, like, if they like you and they like your work, you're going to get good grades. So that's probably all that that really reflects is, like, you probably – Delivering to them what they want, you know. Yeah. Um, but I wouldn't let it get you down or make you drop out or anything like that. You yeah. Know? It, maybe it's just a sign that that area needs development or... Yeah, I don't think it's, like, the one and only success metric. Absolutely not. It's like, like things like of high school where everyone cares about it so yeah, much. Yeah, it's like making sick friends at uni is probably one of the most... Totally. ...important metrics, be that with teachers or students. Because mm. um, mm. they're the people that you'll end up collaborating with on projects and in some cases they are your employer (laughs) if you're looking for a job um awesome are there any closing thoughts from either of you closing thoughts well i have a question for you guys sure so i've like feel like i'm like you know becoming more and more used to the agency world and what is really intriguing me at the moment is working on my own projects so just as a final closing don't want to open up too many no, cans of worms, but, like, how would you guys um, approach your own personal brand? And I guess this does link in with a person trying to get a job because you have to kind of do that. But as a as a people that work for themselves, how would you approach your own personal brand to get work? And Yeah, to- it's, a, it's an interesting question. How is it approached? I think recently I've done, like, a kind of discovery process that I do for clients um, on my own business. I mean, my business, I position myself as the brand, so it is kind of a personal brand that's been developed over all this time. But as a a process um, for improving it, yeah, doing a discovery, so being Mm. like, who are the kind of customers that I want to appeal to? Like, what are the three main groups? What are my kind of brand attributes in tone of voice and um, in the kind of environment that I want to create for people who eventually come into work. Mm. Um, totally. I mean, and how important is, like, style in that? Because I feel like something that happened to me when I was leaving uni age, I was like, oh, like, I don't feel like I have a style. And that kind of stressed me out as a as an individual designer. But more and more I'm learning that I probably do have a style, but also it also doesn't matter. It depends how you position your own service for sure and i think that what's i think that ability to solve complex problems is much more important than having a particular aesthetic yeah um because often if you're an illustrator or a typographer or a whatever and you're known for a very clear style Mm. then it's like that's what you're going to end up falling into i Mm. guess um but I think when it comes to branding, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be a style that carries through a portfolio of work necessarily. There mm. can be, like, sensibilities and appreciation for particular things, but... Yeah. Yeah. 
I think it's just like how maybe like thinking about how we present or how I can present my work that I've done in the past in a way that's really like a consistent cohesive style or something in the way that I show my work in order to create that brand rather than being like I'm going to throw out everything that doesn't fit this exact like type of work you know I mean yeah for sure I think another useful exercise is just coming up with like a version one positioning statement like Mm. I provide x for y and here's y Um, which sounds super simple but it's so hard to articulate like what the product is for which market and why totally and we do it for clients all the time right yeah so it should be easy (laughs) yeah i think for anyone that's looking to develop their personal brand that works in branding just use kind of what you've learned so far and flip Flip it it onto yourself yeah Yeah. which is so much easier said than done totally (laughs) i think and yeah so like coming from a developer perspective where we don't do that every day um I've found that our brand is just sort of ever-evolving and sort of every project we do, it's always like a reflection, okay, what, what was good about it, what was bad, what did we like, what didn't we like, Were they, did they sort of align with our values, did they align with the sort of um, the people we want to work with, the stuff we want to work on. And so after every one of these projects, it's always just sort of like this maybe this little bit of realignment every time it happens and we get a bit, new bit of information. And then maybe every six or 12 months, we do it more sort of as a process-driven thing where like, okay, well, let's actually um, think about it and maybe we'll change some of our messaging or the website or whatever it is. But I think it's it's important to think of it as, yeah, as a really iterative, iterative process um, as you go. Yeah, I think I think so too. And it takes the... the I guess the intimidation of it away, just yeah, knowing exactly. that it's like a snapshot of a point in time totally, and in six totally. months to a year it, it can change and will likely mm-hmm. change. Yeah, like yeah. Well, even Nick and I are going to do a rediscovery for this podcast um, awesome. tomorrow because it's like now we're in season three and it's like, all right, let's just check back in because chances are after going through this process and talking to, you know, our guests yeah. um, that it's a little bit clearer. Yeah. Um, so and definitely yeah. as well like I think when we first sort of had our quote unquote brand like it was just like this it was very generic and very sort of plain I guess and, and but that was fine to begin with you know and we didn't really know what it was going to be or where we were going to go and so I think that first step of it just being like okay like it looks fine and whatever was, was okay but then as things go along is when you can start sort of refining it and getting more information about really what you do, who you want to serve um, mm. and what you want to serve them. Is that useful? It totally is. I mean, I've been told, like, just put out the work that you want to attract and I think that that probably is true, but it's also, yeah, like stepping back and writing your, your own brand strategy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I mean, in presenting the work you want to attract, like another thing that pops up all the time is, like, publicly be hyper-specialised. Yeah. And, like, privately you can do a whole bunch of stuff, but, like, the external positioning is, like, very focused Mm. and likely based on what the type of work you want to attract. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's a good one. Cool. All right. Well, I think um, that probably wraps us up. But thank you so much for coming on today, George. No worries. Thank you for having me. It was awesome. It's been fun. And thanks for dialing in, Nick. Yeah, no problems. Hope there wasn't too many uh, chickens in the background. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll... uh, Thanks, guys. We'll talk to you next time.